0: Hi, I'm Dennis Hester and I'm the pastor here at First Baptist Church Wataga. and we are grateful that you have tuned in to listen to these messages either through our podcast or on our website and as you listen to these our prayer is that you would hear the Lord speak to you from his holy word if you're interested in learning more about the church you can get on our website at fbcwatauga.org from there there's a place where you can plan a visit you can learn more about our beliefs you can also request prayer through the prayer request page we'd love to hear from you Uh, we'd love to get to know you. The most important thing that I'd communicate to you is as you listen to God's word that you find a place to get plugged into a local congregation, whether it's here at First Baptist or another local church where you live. If you'd like information or would like us to help you find a church home, uh, we'd love to talk to you about that. And you can contact us through our Facebook page. So God bless you as you listen to his word and may the Lord encourage you in your walk. Of course, today is a day that we reflect on our moms, and uh, today as I uh, pray for my mom, many of you know that uh, she's in a difficult place. The uh, uh, spring break week, uh, my mom had to be moved into a memory care facility on the Friday of spring break week, and it just happened at the time when the lockdown took place, and so uh, no one has been able to see her. She hasn't been able to see any family since then, and. And so, you know, it's a hard time. It's, it's difficult. Uh, certainly, I'm not the only one who, who struggles. Some of you have lost your mothers even in this last 12 months. And this is your first Mother's Day without mom. And as we reflect on our parents and, and our moms in particular, oftentimes there's very fond memories. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes uh, not everybody's perfect, certainly. Not all moms are perfect and, and uh, uh, certainly... Uh, you may not have that, that, that wonderful experience of a godly mom. As I reflect on some of the things that my mom told me or taught me, there's one in particular that connects with what we're talking about here in the book of James. Uh, apparently I had an issue as a, uh, as a boy and a young man of uh, not thinking before I opened my mouth. And I don't know if anybody else has had In fact, I'm looking at the crowd in front of me. I've got just a handful of people in front of me here, and, and I know some of them still have that issue. Uh, so, uh, but my mom had a saying that she'd always tell me, and it stuck with me over the years. Engage your brain before opening your mouth. Uh, far too often, my brain would not get in gear. My mouth would just fly open. And that is a... James is going to deal with that. He speaks to that issue today about the trouble that our mouths can get us into and how we need to be careful about what we say. That's going to become a theme in the book of James. We're going to see several other uh, sermons where James deals with that issue. So, you know, my parents were very practical people. Uh, They didn't have a lot of fluff in life. Uh, They enjoyed life and they enjoyed the simple things of life. My mom in particular was just very practical and she didn't find a a lot of, uh, she didn't find her joy in makeup or in fancy cars or fancy clothes or anything like that. She sewed most of her clothes and uh, just kept things very simple. And that fits well in with... uh, the the messages, the the series on James. In fact, James is a very practical book. James wants to give us some how-tos about how to live our life as Christians. And so we've looked at the first couple weeks, How to Face Trials, How to face temptations. And today we're going to look at this issue of how to be a doer of God's word. Now certainly James commands it. He tells us in today's text to not be hearers only but to be doers. But when he commands that he also gives us some instruction that's embedded within about three paragraphs here beginning in James chapter 1 verse 19 and going through the end of James chapter 1. And so what does it mean? How can we be a a doer of God's word and not a hearer only? If you would read with me the text beginning in verse 19, the scripture says, My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word." which is able to save your soul. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone who looked at his face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, he goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer, who works this person, Will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So, what I want to simply do is walk through. Uh, this text, really paragraph at a time. When we get down to that third paragraph, we're going to see three very practical things that James lays out. But in the first paragraph, I really want to begin in verse 21 instead of verse 19. As James writes this, uh, you hear this very endearing phrase, my dear brothers and sisters, my dear brethren, uh, understand this, everyone should do this, 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 and this. But then he gets down to a command, an imperative in verse 21. And that imperative is this, humbly receive the implanted word. The beginning point for us to become a servant of Jesus Christ, to become one of his disciples is we have to first receive his word implanted in our soul. That's that's the starting point. That's how we come to faith in Christ. It is reception of of the word of God. Romans 10:17 says so faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of God or through the message of Christ in the in the CSB we come to faith through the word of god when we hear the word of god and it becomes implanted in our soul now you know even the gospel of john even refers to jesus himself as the word and the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us because jesus is that personification of the truth of god that that comes into our lives that redeems us and in fact that's why this verse makes sense when he says the implanted word is able to save your soul it is as god's word is implanted inside of us that we become believers that we we become his children and and it is through that that our soul is saved but that's not all that he's looking for in the implanted word because when the word begins to take root in our life it also begins to transform us, it begins to change us and so he has some commands here some directives that are tied to that and and that's where I want to back up now look at verse 19 First, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. You know, the bottom line is, it if, it, unless we become quick to listen, we are not going to allow the Word of God to be implanted in us. Our ears have to be open, our hearts have to be tender before we're ever going to receive the Word of God. Far too often, we just want to start talking. In fact, one of the problems that we have with being good listeners is instead of listening to what the other person is saying, we're already thinking about how we're going to respond. And see, we do that with God too. When we know that God has a message for us that we don't want to hear especially, what we'll start doing is we'll start immediately thinking up of our excuse or, or, or our, uh, our reply, uh, how we're going to rationalize what we want to do even though we know what God wants us to do and so for us to receive the implanted word of God for it to take root in our lives as even after we're a believer we have to be open to listen quick to listen last night in our uh, zoom growth group meeting one of the issues that that we discussed it was really meaningful to me was was one of the one of our members was talking about how uh, used to during their quiet times. They would read God's Word. They would read God's Word, read their devotional, and they'd check the box and they'd move on. And they found that as God has grown them in their faith that they now will read God's Word and sit there quietly and think about it and reflect on it and maybe read it again and reflect on it, and read it again, and reflect on it. And, and, and by listening intently, even when you're quiet there on your own, listening intently to what God's Word has for you, they found that they are now hearing God speak to them, and not just reading something on the pages. I read something that uh, supported that as I was finishing up this morning, my preparation, uh, doctor, uh, in the New American Series Commentary, the author writes, Receive the word in this sense. Uh, receiving the word in this sense is not entirely passive, but it entails an active concentration on that which we already determine the faith of the believer. Through receiving the word again, renewal and the deepening of our faith can occur. So as we focus on and we, we listen and actively listen to God's word, it plants itself in our life and so it can begin to change us. Now quickly on the heels of that of course James says be quick to listen and slow to speak. Obviously those two things need to go hand in hand and not the opposite. Not slow to listen and quick to speak like we find ourselves far too often. And let me suggest to you that a uh, that as we apply this to our speech in our conversation with one another and, and even in our, our listening and, and, and conversation with God, uh, this needs to be applied in our social media lives. Because oftentimes when we get behind the screen and behind the keyboard, we become even more brazen and even less willing to listen to what others have to say because we are more concerned about making sure that we make our point. And so... Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and then finally, slow to anger. Not allowing <laughs> what you hear or what is said or what you see come across your Facebook page or your Twitter feed to rile you up immediately. You know, there's a, there's a couple words that have become uh, popular in recent years. In fact, they've really come to the surface in the last year. One of them is trigger And many of you know what that means. There there are people who purposely, they will put something on Facebook or they will put something on Twitter simply to trigger people. Maybe they don't even believe it. They just want to stir people up. And you know why it works? Because we're quick to anger. We're quick to get mad. We're quick to get riled up over things. When God's word tells us that if we would allow his word to be implanted in us and he begins to mature us, we'll be slow to respond. And we'll be slow to anger. And so he gives us great advice here. As he implants his word inside of the believer, we learn to listen. And we'll find that we learn a whole lot more when our ears are open and and we are listening. And we will ever learn if we're always talking. In fact, the bottom line is the more we talk, the less we listen, the less we are going to learn quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. And he adds a caveat to that. He gives us a purpose. And the reason is because human anger never fulfills God's righteousness. Never. <laughs> Look at that again. God's, for human anger, verse 20, does not accomplish God's righteousness. James gets right to it. The, the Greek words he uses there, just he, he says the righteousness of God. God's purposes, God's righteousness cannot ever be fulfilled by human anger. Now, a lot of us like to make excuses and talk about, well, the anger that I have is righteous anger. Bull. No, it's not. The anger that we have is because somebody hurt our feelings. Somebody hurt our, they hurt our perspective. They spoke out against something that we care mightily about. Human anger will not fulfill God's righteousness. Essentially, we've got to come to a place where we have to trust God to take care of those things. And then then secondly here, man, that was a long sub-point. Secondly, under that humbly receive the implanted word, not only be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, but also lay aside, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. The word that's translated in the CSB there, ridding yourselves, is the same word you see the apostle Paul use in other places that, that is translated to lay aside or to take off. So the idea is that, that without Christ, before we came to faith in Christ, we were walking in the things of this world, things that are so prevalent in this world world that are filth and evil, that, that are dirty and evil. James commands that when we're implanted with the word of God we take those off and we set them aside. That, that's the essence of repentance. That's the essence of what we're called to do. If we're going to turn to Christ we have to turn away from the things of this world. And so we, we set aside what is filthy. We set aside what is evil and we walk toward Christ. And when we grow in our relationship with him, when, when the, his word is implanted with us, we lay aside those things, then we become pleasing to God. And so the first order of business, and he's going he's to expand on that not only later on in, in the next couple of paragraphs, but in following days and following weeks as we, we work through the, uh, James's letter. So we begin, the first how-to to be a doer of God's word is to allow God's word to be implanted in your heart and in your life. It requires several things that we've talked about. Slow, you know, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Taking off the filthy things of this world and laying them aside. That's the first how-to. If you're going to walk in a relationship with Christ and be pleasing to him, doing his word <laughs> you have to allow his word to be implanted inside of you. You cannot be a doer of God's word unless his word truly becomes a part of who you are and is implanted inside of your soul. Second then and this is very simple but it follows quick on the heels of what we just said. Once God's word is implanted in you, then you act on it. You obey. (laughs) Well that's a word we don't like to hear. We do what God's word tells us to do. And when we act on it, uh, we begin to to grow in that relationship, it, it, it's, you know, when I was in, uh, uh, started playing football in junior high school, the coach would, you know, after we did our regular drills just to, to, to work out, build stamina, build speed and agility, all those kind of things, then we would get into practice, and the coach would give us instruction. And at that time, I on the defensive side of the ball, I was playing defensive end. And so the scheme that we played in, the defensive end was responsible for, uh, you know, trying to keep anything that came... Uh, from getting to outside of you, but also dropping back in, in uh, a past situation. So as soon as you recognize pass, you start dropping back. So what the coach would do is he'd give us instructions of what we're supposed to do, and then he would make us practice it over and over and over and over. And, and it, it seemed like there would be some mornings of seventh-grade football practice that I ran backwards at the same angle 25 times in a row And and you would think, coach, I've got this. I know how to run backwards now. But what the coach would tell us is he wanted that to be so ingrained in us that it became second nature. So he taught the lesson, but he didn't just leave it there. He made us do it. And as we did it, it became more and more ingrained in us. That's what James is calling believers to do. What, What he says some of you are doing... You're loving your Bible studies. You love going deep in the Word. You love getting together with others and going to conventions and and hearing those sermons and getting all fired up. And then you go hear another one and you can quote the Word over and over and over. But none of it is working itself out in your life. In fact, what ends up happening because you're not practicing it, you even forget what you learned. And so he says here in verse 22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Ultimately, the first thing he wants us to understand is if all you're doing is hearing the word, you're not becoming a disciple. A disciple requires fellowship. A disciple requires doing what God's told you to do. It is impossible to be a disciple of Jesus Christ when he says... uh, you're going to become a fisher of men. You're going, to, you're going to go tell others about the good news. You're going to tell them how to become a child of the king. That's, and then Jesus gives us instructions on how people might be saved so that we can go tell people how they might be saved. And we learn all of the various plans of salvation. And it doesn't matter how many plans of salvation we learn, we are not a true disciple of Jesus Christ until we go and share with someone how to be saved. Because ultimately, we don't learn theology and doctrine for the purpose of becoming smarter theologically and doctrinally. We learn theology and doctrine to become better servants of Jesus. And if you are only a learner you're only a hearer and not a doer you've deceived yourself. You may think that you're a disciple of Christ. You may think that you're a good follower of Christ because you know so much. But unless you're living it it doesn't matter. That's what a true disciple does. They take what they know and they live it. And so if you are, he says, stop deceiving yourselves. Become a doer of God's word. And then he says, this is kind of a practical piece of advice. And this is what I was getting to in my illustration. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in the mirror. He looks at himself and he goes away. He immediately forgets what kind of person he is. He says it's, it's a very similar idea. You look at God's word and God's word says, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. And then you go out in the world and you don't do it you have forgotten who you really are you say man I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus I'm going to go take care of widows and orphans and then you step out of your life and you go focus only on yourself on selfish needs you're not a doer of God's word you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ you, you have forgotten who you were as soon as you step out of the room, you've forgotten who you were as soon as you step out of, the, uh, out, out of the sanctuary. You heard God's Word. You committed to God's Word. You rededicated yourself to be the disciple God called you to be. And you step out in the world and you live how you want to live. James says, he's going to tell us here in a little bit, that that's worthless. Be a doer of God's Word. Walking in obedience, the, the, the flip side of that is when we walk in obedience... Doing his word, it reminds us of who we are. When we're out living the life that God's called us to, it reminds us the most uh, fulfilled disciples are those who are the greatest servants of Jesus Christ. Those who are actually out doing it. That's where we'll find fulfillment in our relationship with the Lord. It's not in the hearing and in the learning. It's in the exercise, the living out of our lives, being disciples out in the real world. And so we must act on God's word. And he says there at the end of that paragraph, and when you do, you will be blessed. The one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works. This person will be blessed in what he does. You want to be blessed as a servant of Jesus Christ? do what he told you to do. Don't just learn, don't just listen, but act on God's word. So in summary, the first two orders he gives us are allow the word of God to be implanted in your heart and then go out and live it. Do it. Act upon what you already know. There's some people who will say, well, I I can't share my faith because I don't know enough. If you're saved, I, I love this truism, I've heard Dr. Queen, uh, my, my evangelism professor, say it many times. If you know enough of God's word to be saved, you know enough of God's word to share the gospel. Right. If, if you are a born again believer and you know how you got saved, then you know enough to share the gospel. And so let me caution you if you don't know enough to share the gospel, you better examine your own salvation. <laughs> Maybe you're not saved. Maybe you need to, to find out what it means to truly be born again. Because if you know enough to be a child of God, you know enough to tell somebody else how to be a child of God. So that's one simple illustration. But because there's, there's so many other directives that Christ gives us about how we're supposed to function in this world. One of them is that idea of repentance that we talked about earlier. If you look at your life you don't look any different than the rest of the world... And you need to reexamine yourself because to be a doer of God's word, you, you set aside the filth. You set aside the things of this world and you follow Christ. You will look differently. And so act on God's word. Humbly receive the implanted word and act upon it. And in doing so, you will be blessed. Now that seems very simple. You hear God's word and you do God's word. But in the next few verses, uh, James is going to give us three more practical tips that really come out of the foundation that he's just laid. So this won't take long, but, uh, but it comes out of what he's already said. So read with me verse 26 through 28, and then we'll look at these three ideas. First, if anyone thinks he's religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So let me give you three more very practical ideas that really are rooted in the first two big ideas we've had there. The first one is this, watch what you say. (laughs) Engage your brain before you open your mouth. Think before you type it on Facebook. Ask yourself the question, How are others going to receive what I write? Because maybe I understand what I'm writing, but I'm not writing it clearly. Ask this question. How are the lost going to receive what I write? Is it going to be helpful in bringing them closer to Christ? Or by me, even if I believe it with all of my heart, look, I've got my own strong political opinions I have learned to leave them off social media, by and large. Not always perfect in that, but I try. (laughs) Because it only becomes a detriment, a roadblock, to someone who doesn't have my same political opinions coming to faith in Christ. And you know what? I have never seen anyone who was born again saved by being won over by my political opinions. In fact, I haven't seen anybody that was saved not being won over by anybody's political opinions. So the question that I have to ask myself is, is what I'm writing, what I'm saying, how is that going to be received by those who don't know Jesus? Because here's what matters most. And to be real honest, we need to learn this better. I need to learn this better. How the lost hear me, is a whole lot more important than how the saved, hear me. You know, we can fire up the base. Those who agree with us, it's real easy to get them on our side, get them fired up, rah, 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 man, we can have a big party, we can talk about how, how much we believe in this, and man, it makes us feel good. But if in doing so, there's people that hear that and are turned away from the cross, they'll spend eternity separated from God in hell. A place reserved for the enemies of God. Is me making myself feel good by sharing things that I know my friends and others who think like me like at the detriment of those who don't know Jesus, is it worth it? I'd say absolutely not. So whether it's coming out of my mouth or it's coming out of my keyboard or it's coming off my phone, I have to watch what I say. Let me summarize it this way. If we cannot control our tongues, we are useless to the kingdom of God. If we can't get a handle on our tongues, on what we say, in fact, we may be worse than useless to the kingdom of God. We may become a roadblock, a detriment to the kingdom of God. Paul talked about it this way in 1 Corinthians 13. Of course, we know it as the love chapter. But he said, Even if I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Now, I'm not a musician. But I understand that not only, if you have somebody up here, and Matthew has this beautiful, wonderful worship set going with this great hymn, and I get up here with a pair of cymbals, and I just start banging away on those symbols. Man, I am enthusiastic in my praise and my worship with those symbols. Not only is that not going to be helpful to the praise and worship of our God, but it's going to be a distraction. And see, when we don't control our mouths, it not only is useless to the kingdom work, We become destructive to God's purposes. How are we gonna be a doer of God's word? We're gonna watch our mouths, we're gonna watch what we say. Second, we're gonna care for the vulnerable, we're gonna care for those who cannot care for themselves you know there's there's all kinds of movements and and I said I, you know stay out of politics you, honestly in the big picture this is not the government's job this is our job as followers of Jesus Christ to take care of those who are hurting and to take care of those who are vulnerable you know why the government stepped in and done it because we failed that's a large part of what the the, the reason for it we are called it James makes it clear in verse 27 there pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this to look after orphans and widows. In James's day the orphans and the widows represented the most vulnerable of their society. And to a large extent in, in particular orphans and in, in our day and to some extent widows represent some of the most vulnerable in our society. I, I think that In the world in which we live, we don't have to limit that idea to orphans and widows, but we can understand that what James was communicating is we have a responsibility as children of God to take care of those who truly have needs, who are truly hurting. because of Maybe it's because of health issues, maybe it's because of age, maybe it's because of circumstances out of their control. We as the church of Jesus Christ have a responsibility to take care of the most vulnerable among us. I would list among that group, in fact I would suggest that in our culture and in our age, the most vulnerable are those voiceless unborn children who in our culture since the 1970s we have decided that it was going to be okay to take the life of an unborn child if it was inconvenient financially or emotionally for the mother to carry that child to term. And when you speak about those who are vulnerable, the most vulnerable in our society, there are none more vulnerable than the unborn. They're absolutely dependent upon their mother to take care of them. And I can't imagine the most vile thing that we can do is to not care for the most vulnerable among us. Now that doesn't stop at the womb, obviously. And it, that, that may go all the way up to a point where what I began my sermon with. My 86, almost 87 year old mother, who is now in a memory care facility. And, and honestly, the last year and a half, uh, when I've gone to see her, she didn't know who I was. She's vulnerable. And, and we have a responsibility. Especially since dad's gone, she's widowed. So we have a responsibility as her children and as as the church, especially widows who have no living children, we have a responsibility to take care of those who are vulnerable. And if we abdicate that responsibility, we do not take care of those who are most vulnerable. As Jesus has commanded us to, our faith is useless. In fact... Not only is our faith useless, our faith becomes a roadblock for the lost to be saved. If they look at the church and they say, look, you don't even take care of the, those who are hurting the most. You, you claim to be followers of Christ and you claim to love your God and you claim to love others, but you don't take care of your parents. Folks, if we're not taking care of those who are most vulnerable, if, if, if we don't take care of our aging parents, if we don't take care of the, the, the vulnerable children, as a church of Jesus Christ, we become a roadblock to the kingdom of God. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 13 2, If I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I put the wrong verse down there. I put verse 1 again. But once again Paul Paul makes the same point. If we seek to serve but don't do it with love, if we're not taking care of the most vulnerable then we're useless for God's kingdom. In fact what Paul says let me just take a moment to get there in 1 Corinthians 2 what Paul tells us, 1 Corinthians 13 I'm sorry. It's worth it. God's Word's worth hearing, so we'll wait. Sorry about that, guys. And it's not going to do me any good to read it in Greek to you. The good thing about this is next week, uh, Matthew can cut out this part. I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians 13, 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but I do not have love, listen to what he says. I am nothing. Not only has my faith become useless, for the kingdom, i become useless for the kingdom without love. And that love has to connect us to caring for those who are most vulnerable among us. And so watch what you say. Care for the vulnerable. And then the, the last one is something that he began with. Avoid the stains of this world. Look down at, a, at verse uh, uh, 27 there where the scripture once again reminds us that if we don't look any different than the rest of the world, we're going to become a roadblock to the kingdom of God. We're going to become an impediment instead of a help. The end of verse 27 says, keep oneself unstained from the world. How to be a doer of God's word? You're going to have to look different than the rest of the world. See the sad thing is in our culture, A lot of times we in the church don't look a whole lot different than the rest of the world. There's some of my friends who I I have on Facebook that uh, they'll say something really neat about Jesus or share a really cool meme about Jesus and then the next thing on their Facebook page will be something using vile language or inappropriate content. You know Facebook is a pretty good picture of sometimes what we do in the rest of our lives as well, if we can speak the name of Christ and His love in one moment and the next moment show hatred and vile impurities in our life without any sense of responsibility or, or, or consequence, we then have not only become useless to the kingdom we become a roadblock to the kingdom of God. If our lives are not discernibly different from the world, what we claim to believe with our lips it doesn't line up with what we say or what we do. What what we say doesn't line up with what we do. If if our lives are not discernibly different we have become an impediment to the kingdom of God. There are lost people who will not come to faith in Christ because they look at the church and say they're not any different. In fact in some ways they fight more. They show less love than, than my friends here in the bar. And, and if we don't live a discernibly different kind of life the world will not know that we're the followers of Christ. And ultimately James would say you probably really aren't the follower of Christ. If your life is not different, you're only a hearer and you're not a doer. So what does it mean? How do we become doers of God's word? Begin with that foundation. Allow the word of God to be implanted in your heart. If if you've never put your faith in Christ as your personal savior, begin right there. Allow his word to take root and to save your soul. And then do what Christ has called you to do. Act on it. Live it out. Because if you don't, if you don't watch what you say, you don't care for the vulnerable, and your life is not discernibly different, you not only, I not only, have become useless to the kingdom of God, I've become an impediment, a roadblock to God's purposes and God's kingdom.